In case you haven't noticed, practically speaking, secular humanism has now become America's new national religion. Meanwhile, any Christian privilege you supposedly experienced growing up as a kid in America has now become more a stigma than a dogma. Consequently, today's kids are finding it much tougher to practice and share their faith in public than in previous generations. Crosses that once graced America's public domain in honor and remembrance of our Christian roots are now being removed to appease the elite few who may be offended by them. Yet crosses can routinely dangle from the necks of garden variety rock or rap stars. Now they're promoting the virtues of illicit sex or rebellion in the occult, and nobody seems to mind. Except for the overly sensitive Christian, of course. But all this begs a question. How have Christians suddenly become the buffoons in society after centuries of respect? Well, let's talk about that, about the implications for our kids and what we as parents can do about it. Finding the way back, making our faith credible again to our kids and our culture. That's today on License to Parent. Well, hello and welcome to License to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long therapeutic Christ-centered residential program for kids in crisis. Our host on the program, as always, is the founder of Shepherds Hill, Trace Embry, and I'm Rich Rosal. And Trace, we have got a guest today who has written a well-researched, a well-thought-out book on this very subject Mm -hmm. But before introducing him, I, I want to ask you why you think America has gone from being largely a people, well, proud of a Christian heritage to one that now seems virtually ashamed of it. Yeah. And how is this affecting the way our kids view Christ in the church? Well, uh, Rich, first let me say that I don't think our kids are having as much of a problem with Jesus today as they are with some of the, the people and institutions that supposedly follow him. Uh, that's number one. Number two, uh, this is way more complicated than I can adequately express uh, without horning in on the time allotted for today's guest. And I will horn in a little bit here. But uh, And he's written an excellent book, by the way, on the subject. Uh, but I'll tell you what I think has been a huge problem when it comes to the church's credibility in America. And this is my opinion. Uh, the church, number one, and, and Christian TV. Christian TV, I, I think, uh, has been a, a bigger problem than a lot of people realize. We've got a couple of generations of Americans now who think that that's what Christianity is all about. And so they mock it. And the tragedy here is our kids have seen this stuff too. And since they don't want to end up on the receiving end of such mockery by being associated with these kinds of carnival acts, they justifiably distance themselves from it. But because they can't defend it either. And, and I know that, that the Scripture says, you know, whether it be from good motives or bad motives, we should be glad that Christ has preached. But our kids, and obviously many adults, aren't all that discerning between the true and the false. And so they end up just chucking it all. Unfortunately, uh, what should be obvious to Christians, who are supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit and discernment, evidently isn't so obvious. So in the eyes of the unbeliever, if we can't see through this stuff, why would anyone take us serious about trusting in the Bible or a man who claimed to be God and then allegedly raised from the dead 2,000 years ago? Mm-hmm. And that's why one of the first things we tell our kids at Shepherd's Hill about Christianity is that the devil does his best work in church. Yeah, I mean, we want them to know that we know this garbage is, is going on and, and that Jesus said it would go on. But our kids also know that God does his best work in church too. And I didn't mean to imply that all Christian TV was bad. Uh, let me make that clear. But I, I'm looking forward to today's guest giving us even more insights to all this. And then hopefully he can help us implement some strategies for bringing back the credibility of God and his word, both to our families 
and to our culture at large. Yep, and uh, who better than Phil Cook to help us sift through the good, the bad, and the ugly to steal a phrase from a film title. Uh, Phil, many of you know his name. Uh, many of you know his work. He's an internationally known filmmaker, a writer, and a media consultant. He's produced media programming in more than 60 countries around the world. He has created and produced many of the most influential and successful Christian and inspirational TV programs in history. And those are the ones that we applaud, not the ones that we feel are doing a travesty <laughs> to what's going on. Uh, his book, Unique, Telling Your Story in the Age of Brands and Social Media, is changing the way many church and ministry leaders engage today's culture with the gospel. Uh, he writes blogs for a number of publications and on his own website, philcook.com, uh, his most recent book, though, and the one that we invited him on the program to talk about, was co-authored with Jonathan Bach, and it hopes to offer a solution to this crisis that you just described, Trace, the level of decline in Christianity in today's culture. It's called The Way Back, How Christians Blew Our Credibility and How We Get It Back. Hey, man, I, I read the books. Great book. Uh, Phil, welcome to License to Parent. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad to hear you got that off your chest. That was pretty serious. <laughs> well, it's, it's therapy. Trace, you can get off the couch now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it is an issue. It's no question it's an issue. I mean, when, when any kind of media, whether it's radio, TV, Christian movies, whatever, they just have an audience out there. And yeah. so you're always concerned that so many people see it when a program or a movie or a radio program goes off the rails um, theologically or doctrinally or any other way. It has an impact. People mm. do see it, and sadly, they paint us all with the same brush, right. so we all get criticized. Right. Well, in your book, I think you, you were spot on with something with respect to Christians losing their influence. Can you talk about that other God? Yeah. Well, we wondered, you know, first of all, we started looking at how Christians live our lives. We thought maybe, you know, obviously sin is in the world. Obviously people are going to do their thing. How are we responding? And we started thinking maybe we should take examination at how Christians have responded to these things. And we actually went to the biggest researchers in the country, Pew, uh, Gallup, Lifeway, um, Barna. Oh, yeah, we went to the four biggest, and we decided to look at how Christians live their lives. Not hard stuff, not difficult things like mission trips or fasting, but simple stuff, prayer, Bible reading, church attendance, tithing. And when we looked at the statistics, it was shocking. I mean, in this culture right now, about 80 to 90 percent of people say they believe in God. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean they're Christians, doesn't mean they're serious, but about 80 or 90 percent acknowledge that there's probably a God out there. Yeah. About 70 percent actually consider themselves Christians, and that's great. That doesn't mean they show up in church every week. And when we started r drilling down into that, we, we discovered that of that 70 percent that would call themselves Christians, 20% actually do come to church regularly. They're serious. They, they really pursue. So we started looking at that crowd. Who's the guys that show up in church every week? And what we discovered was shocking. Let me, let me give you an example. Uh, Bible reading. We discovered that of church-going Christians, 40% read the Bible rarely or never. Hmm. I mean, think about that for a second. Half the church-going, almost half of the church-going Christians in America read the Bible rarely or never. Uh, when it comes to prayer, we discovered that 63% of church-going Christians believe prayer is essential, which we thought that was pretty good. And then we realized the flip side is that 37% of church-going Christians don't, don't believe prayer is essential. That's, all, that's more than a third of Christians in America don't believe prayer is essential. Uh, church attendance, the bar is so low now that if you show up just 19 times a year, you're now considered a regular. Yeah. I mean, a regular, three out of eight Sundays, you're considered a regular now. And of course, tithing is brutal. L less than 10% of people in the pews today actually give 10%. So when you start looking at those things, 
you start realizing the names that the non-Christian world calls us, hypocrites, phony, uh, judgmental, guess what? They're exactly right. They're exactly right, because we are not living the life God calls to live. And that led us to wonder, where did we go off the rails? And that's where that other God came in. Uh, We started to realize that you know, we fashioned a God. You know, we don't think of ourselves as idol worshipers. You know, when your pastor goes on vacation, you probably don't build a golden calf in the church lobby. Um, we make fun of the, you know, the old Israelites in right. the Old Testament for right. doing that. But we've discovered we're the most sophisticated idol makers in the world. We, oh we, we worship a God that, you know what, he looks like the God of the Bible, but he understands why I don't have time for church. He understands why I don't read the Bible. He understands why I don't pray much, because I've got other things to do. He knows I'm busy, and I have other things to accomplish. And, and this God understands why I'm cheating on my wife, because she's gotten older, she's kind of grumpy, and he wants me to be happy, right? And the bottom line is, we've created a God that really is based on our lifestyle and our desires, rather than conforming our life to the God of the Bible. And that's so true in so many areas out there today. We've just created this God that really wants us to be happy, wants us to be successful, and it's really wandered pretty far from the God of the Bible. And, And Phil, if we take your analogy there then this golden calf is something that we don't get rid of when the pastor comes back. And quite frankly, in churches, very few people are called to account for their sins. So, yeah, it's oh, like, yeah, it's like let's right. just let the golden calf hang out there and not in the parking lot. We'll keep him right here in church. It goes back to that judgment. Oh, yeah. Thing. Yep. That is so true. And, and the bottom line of all this is we discovered through our research and, and the way we live our lives that the greatest threat to Christianity in America is not rising secularism. It's not the growth of radical Islam. It's not Planned Parenthood or the ACLU or the gay community or Hollywood. We discovered that the greatest threat to Christianity in America is American Christians because yeah. we're not simply we're simply not living the life God called us to live. Yeah. And as a result, we're making zero impact yeah. out there in the culture. Yeah, these are all self-inflicted wounds for the most part. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. How do you explain, you know, 40% of Christians don't read their Bible or rarely read their Bible. I know a couple of Christians who don't read their Bible, and they live lives that are exemplary. They, It's almost as if they, uh, what they do know, they're living well. You know, they... Yeah. How do you explain that? And how do you explain all the years? Because people are going to bring this argument up, uh, the dark ages and and, and whatnot. People don't have access to the Word of God, and yet, you know, they're still uh, taking care of the poor and the widows and all that stuff. What does that do to our argument about Bible reading? What we really discovered, you know, there's many listening to this program right now that would say, I'm not one of those Christians. I I, I pursue God. I pray. I read the Bible every day. I'm in church every time the doors open. But the truth is, when so many Christians are dropping the ball, when such huge numbers out there, we all get painted with the same brush. It's like the Major League Baseball steroid scandal a few years ago. Only a handful of guys were taking steroids, but the whole league got painted with the same brush. And we're the same way. The culture looks at us and just assumes that because so many are dropping the ball, that we're all dropping the ball. And so what we decided to do was go back and find out, was there any time in history when the church as a whole, when all of us were really making a difference in impacting culture? And we had to go back 2,000 years to the first generation of, of Christians, those first early church members that were persecuted, they were hunted down, they, they were outlaws. And they had no money, no influence, no power, but it's interesting that they could act. And so there were so many areas of the Roman Empire that they despised. I mean, you know, for instance, infanticide. There was a 
in the Roman Empire back in that day, a Roman man owned his wife, owned his children, and if a child was born that they didn't want, was an extra mouth to feed, more often a girl, they would just take it out to the city wall and let it die of exposure, mm-hmm. maybe out in the field beyond the wall. And the Christians understood that children are created in the image of God, and this is detestable. But they couldn't do anything. They couldn't protest. They couldn't boycott. They couldn't complain. But they could act. And so these crazy Christians would go out under cover of night and bring in these children. They would find these kids that had been left out and abandoned. They would bring them into their family, raise them as their own, and other members of the church community would contribute to help pay the expenses. Mm-hmm. And the Romans had no concept what anybody would do. They couldn't wrap their head around why anybody would do that. I've abandoned yeah. that kid. Why would somebody want it? And mm-hmm. historians today look back at that and so many other areas, uh, social areas during that time, and how the Christians made an impact. And they realize now that that started such an incredible shift in the thinking of the Romans that Christianity became the dominant religious faith in a remarkably short time throughout the Western world. So we wonder, what could we do today that would astonish the culture? Obviously, criticism hasn't worked. Boycotts hasn't worked. Getting involved in politics hasn't worked. What if we actually did things that made the culture rethink who we are and who is this God we serve, because that's exactly what happened 2,000 years ago. Well, you're talking about modeling, and uh, that's that's one of the things that, uh, you know, when I leave this microphone, I'll be talking to a bunch of parents about modeling this thing to their kids, which is huge. Uh, I meet every kid that comes comes into Shepherd's Hill Academy personally, and the first thing I tell them is I love them. You're in a safe place. Uh, It's going to be the best year of your life. No one's going to lie to you. But man, you should see the countenance on their face perk up and change when I say, and we're going to be working with your parents this year. Uh, That gives them a sense of hope like nobody's business. It's like, you just have to see it to believe it. Yeah. We need to take a quick break here. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent is Phil Cook, international filmmaker, writer, media consultant, and the author of the book that we're talking about today called The Way Back, How Christians Blew Our Credibility and how we get it back. This is Licensed to Parent. You'll find us online at licensedtoparent.org. We'll be back with more conversation right after this. Everywhere we go, we're surrounded by screens. Have we entered into a techno-utopia or a virtual prison? Prison. prison? Is our social experience richer and deeper or more shallow and artificial? Discover insightful answers to these questions in the documentary DVD, Captivated, Finding Freedom in a Media Captive Culture. You'll learn from media experts, church leaders, and inspiring individuals and families from across the country, including Trace Embry and students from Shepherds Hill Academy. Most importantly, you'll discover how God's Word addresses the unique media challenges we face today. Captivated, finding freedom in a media captive culture. Available in the store at licensedtoparent.org. Proceeds benefit the Shepherds Hill Academy Scholarship Fund. Teen rebellion, depression, addiction, rage, cutting, and suicide are destroying our families today. But there is a way out. Shepherds Hill Academy offers a 12 month Christ centered nonprofit residential program where kids are being transformed with a biblical worldview and often medication-free. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias is just one of many Christian leaders who understands what's happening at Shepherd's Hill Academy. It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherd's Hill Ministries and Licensed to Parent 
to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. Uh, I cannot gainsay how important this is, and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society. Get the help you need at Shepherd's Hill Academy. Go to helpmytroubledteen.org, helpmytroubledteen.org. Licensed to Parent is here for you. We want you as a parent to be better equipped to raise your kids in a way that honors God and honors your kids and honors your family so that uh, we can create change agents for this culture. And we're talking today on Licensed to Parent with Phil Cook about uh, the new book he's written, The Way Back, How Christians Blew Our Credibility and How We Get It Back. And uh, hopefully we're going to conclude this program with a few tips on on some of the stuff that we need to be doing. Yeah. Trace? Well, Phil, before the break, we were talking about the importance of modeling and parents modeling Christ before uh, before their kids. And you're in the entertainment business. You guys are modeling this in a very difficult environment to do that. I, I contend that what Christians are regularly entertained by is another measuring rod uh, of our spiritual life and, and has way more influence on our attitudes and behaviors than almost uh, anyone realizes. Am I off base when I say that, that, that we've been sucker punched by our enemy to believe that our entertainment habits have little to no connection to what's causing us to now be looked at with disdain uh, by the secular world? No, absolutely not. You're exactly right. Uh, There's no question. I live and work in Hollywood, and there's no question that we need to be incredibly serious about the impact it has on our lives. I don't think we need to be prudish. I don't think we need to say no to movies or no to television. But as parents, uh, you know, since so many parents listen to your program, I would say that we need to think seriously about training our children to understand how media works, the impact it has. I mean, there's no question more and more research is coming up uh, telling us that social media media is remarkably addictive. Mm-hmm. It's not just changing our behavior, it's actually changing the structure of our brain. There's no doubt about um, it. Th- the digital revolution has ramifications we've never encountered. So I'm a great movie fan. I love television and all those things, and I'm on social media. But I, my wife and I, when, when our two daughters were young, we would go to a movie together, and we would go to a coffee shop afterwards and sit down and talk about the movie and, and discuss it. And, and don't think that you can just unleash your kids on the entertainment world with no consequences. Mm-hmm. We need to be much more serious about educating them how to be responsible when it comes to consuming media. Yeah. Well, you know... Seventy uh, percent of the kids that come to Shepherd Till and bushel loads of meds are leaving med free, and I know that a lot of that is because uh, they never needed it to begin with. That's a whole other story, but uh, yeah. they're not being exposed to a lot of the music and entertainment that uh, that they or any any of it that they had back home. Matter of fact, I know that there are professing Christians who watch the Game of Thrones with with their kids. Uh, what counsel do you have for any Christian who who would make this program? and others like it, a staple in our homes, uh, even without their kids in the equation. No, there's no question the kids should not be watching Game of Thrones. Most adults should not be watching Game of Thrones. It's seriously brutal stuff in a show like that. Here's here's two or three just recommendations that I would certainly give to your listeners. And number one is never allow a kid to have a computer in his room. Ever, ever, ever. We kept the computers out in public places where I could see what the girls were on. I could see what websites they were visiting. We used filtering software. And uh, never, never, never allow a kid to have a television or a computer in their room. We, we would add smartphone to that. Yes. 
the average adult checks their iPhone 110 times a day. Right. The average middle schooler checks their iPhone about a uh, 85 times a day. Mm. So that's horrifying when you think about it. And, and you, right. you can go on YouTube and see videos of people that are so transfixed by their phone, they get hit by cars, they mm-hmm. fall into ditches. Mm-hmm. I was in Germany filming a project last summer and watched a guy fall into a canal because he was so <laughs> focused on his iPhone. And it's, I'd laugh, but it's kind of sad that so many people, uh, one, I've got a video that I use in some of my presentations of a guy in Paris falling off a subway platform into the path of an oncoming train. Oh um, it's just staggering the mesmerizing hypnotic effect they have. But yep. the, the important thing is always be there for them. Keep the TVs, keep the, the computers in a public place. Sure. Another thing is, as I mentioned before, go to movies with your kids. Sit yes. down with your kids watching television. Talk about the programs. Talk about the movies. Because you know what? Here's the deal. They're going to st- see it at their friend's house. They're going to see it at a neighbor's house. They're gonna, the kids are not stupid. They, they figure out a way to see the popular stuff that they want to see. But I wanted my daughters to always be educated about it and be responsible sure. about it and understand and when to say no. And, and um, that makes a huge difference. So absolutely, sit down with your kids. Make the media smart so they understand what that world is about and the implications and the impact it's having. I've always felt like don't be a dictator. Don't be brutal. Don't, sometimes you can come down so hard on your kids it makes them want it even more. Mm-hmm. But be a team player. Engage with your kids, talk about it, and that makes a huge difference. Sure. Phil, I was told the church pulled out of Hollywood in the 1960s. What did it mean, and, and, and why did it happen? Well, it's interesting that in the very early days of, of the movie business, from about 1898 to about 1914 to 1916, the church made more films than Hollywood did. I mean, the church, mm-hmm. I, I worked with a client, a church in um, Montclair, New Jersey, um, a few years ago. They did some renovation in the in the inside sanctuary and discovered there was a 35 millimeter movie projector that had been walled up inside the church. Apparently mm-hmm. back in the twenties and thirties, they had movie night every Saturday night at the church. Wow. And so the church actively used films. Then in the forties and fifties, as sex got more rampant, as more profanity got involved in movies, the church kind of pulled back. And mm-hmm. you know, it, the minute you pull back, it creates a vacuum and oh, other yeah. forces come in. That's right. And so when we gave up Hollywood to the enemy, uh, guess what? We, we see what's happened there. So mm-hmm. I think we're seeing, Christians, a younger generation of Christians re-embracing the movies that we're seeing. Uh, you know, there was some t- pretty terrible ones for a while, but the truth is we're seeing more professional productions, yeah. more quality productions. And so I, I urge people to support these young filmmakers. You know, find a creative person in your church or your community that's a Christian that wants to pursue this and help yeah. them, sponsor well, them, become a patron. I, I totally agree with you. And in light of the idea that people are more influenced by the arts than they are by the law, uh, yeah. What kind of influence do you see the church, uh, you know, recapturing, if any, with the resurgence of name, redemptive films like God's name, Not Dead? Yeah, you know. I can name you four or five churches right now that are producing feature films. Awesome. Um, there are some churches that really have a vision for reaching this next generation. And here's the thing. I just believe that... You know, if you if you study the life of Christ, he spent his time where the people were, and in those days, it was the temple square, it was social gatherings like weddings, it was the marketplace. Well, Mm -hmm. the people today are on social media; they're in movie theaters, they're watching this stuff, they're watching Netflix, Amazon. So, if we don't have a voice in that, I think we I don't think it's hysterical to say we'll lose a generation because we. the average person in the West today sees about 5,000 media messages, messages every single day. Right. So in that world, 
church is not going to come up. In that world, Christian books are not going to come up. But if we have a voice in movies, if we have a voice in television and online, it would make such a powerful, powerful impact. Well, I can tell you this. You know, our kids are living in the woods with no access to digital technology or running water for an entire year. But occasionally, we do take them off campus, and we just just, uh, took them to God's Not Dead, and I can only imagine... And I can tell you, uh, it impacted them in a very good way. And when they can go out in a public venue and see that Hollywood is producing something with redemptive value, uh, and and they can be as entertained or more entertained uh, by something that's wholesome, why wouldn't we get back into that? And I, I want to, you know, encourage everyone listening to this this thing. If you can support a filmmaker that would make movies like that, by all means, that's going to be a, a really important thing to do. <laughs> And by the way, let me support what you're doing because, you know, that the, what you're doing with taking the kids out of that electronic environment for a period, mm-hmm. I think a, 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 a digital detox is a great thing that any of us could do. I mean, yeah. even if it's for a weekend, sure. you know, put the phone away. Put the computer away. On Father's Day a few years ago, I launched a national campaign that called Disconnect to Reconnect. You know, on Father's Day, disconnect from your electronic devices and try to reconnect with your family. Mm-hmm. And if we could do that more often, it would make such an impact out there because we're so mm-hmm. caught up yep. in, uh, you know, in our email and our text messaging and our social media. If we could just disconnect and try to re-engage with actual people, yeah. uh, who knows where that could lead. So I, I love that, that you're doing that. I think it's a powerful program. And really any of us could afford to, to you know, do that detox every once in a while from the electronic digital media. It restores you to your original factory setting. That's, <laughs> That's a good line. Phil, we're out of time, but I do have to ask you one more question, okay? Sure. As Christian parents, what are a few of the most important things we can do to help change the perception that so many of our kids and, and an ever-increasing percentage of our society is now having about the Christian faith? What, what's a Maybe the most important you know what? thing. Live it out. It's interesting that you look at the, the, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, that, you know, the list. Mm-hmm. Um, that theoretically should be the list that everybody thinks of when they think Christian. When you go out on the street and somebody says, you know, do you know a Christian? What, what are they like? That fruit of the Spirit is what people should think of. That's how we should reflect Amen. our lives. Sadly, that's not. You ask a typical non-believer today what they think of Christians, words like hypocrite, phony, judgmental, yeah. power-hungry, those kind of things come up. So number one, start really spending time thinking about how I can reflect those fruits of the Spirit, how I can live an authentic Christian life. Here's what you'll find. The single greatest thing, you know, when I was a, you know, my generation, I'm a baby boomer, and my generation was focused on truth, you know, biblical truth. Right. There was relativism in the culture, and we had great teachers talking about biblical truth. Today, the single greatest issue is authenticity. I mean, the young people today want to see you live the life you're talking about. And when we become hypocrites, when they perceive us with hypocrites, we're done. So live that genuine Christian life God's called us to, and I think it'll make a dramatic impact on people who watch you live that life out. Amen. And I want to remind our parents that Jesus changed the entire world with 12 guys and no internet, but they were genuine. (laughs) They were genuine. They were genuine. Yeah. Our guest today on uh, License to Parent has been Phil Cook, international filmmaker, writer, and media consultant. And uh, he he co-wrote the book that we've been talking about today, The Way Back, How Christians Blew Our Credibility and How We Can Get It Back. You can find that book on Amazon. You can also check out Phil's blog at philcook.com. And Cook, by the way, is spelled C-O-O-K-E, an E at the end there, philcook.com. 
Phil, you have blessed us today. Thanks so much for being unlicensed to parent. Thank you, sir. Hey, I've had a great time. Thank you, guys. Well, that's a wrap, as they say in the film business, to another edition of, uh, of Licensed to Parent, a presentation of Shepherd's Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered therapeutic residential program helping teens in crisis and their families. If you need help for your troubled teen, I invite you to contact us. You can do so by following the links to Shepherd's Hill on our website, licensedtoparent.org. You can learn more about our ministry and even help the work we do with teens by visiting us at licensedtoparent.org. And incidentally, while you're there, you'll also find other conversations we've had on a wide range of topics that uh, are all influencing the way we raise our kids. And you can subscribe to our blog. Again, the address, licensedtoparent.org. Our guest coordinator on the program is Daniel Fazina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosl, inviting you to join us again next time and renew your license to parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. We'll see you next time.